if I have less um, full-time employees and yet I have the same or greater workload, how do I deal with that? Well, technology is a significant part of how I'm able to continue to deliver services with a lot less FTE. Life is an endless stream of challenges, but no worries. Manoj is bringing the world's best minds right here for you. My gosh, Manoj, you just blew my mind. Thank you, universe. Manoj, thank you. I'm so grateful. Makes me feel a little bit better. Thank you. Bootstrapping Your Dreams is here to give you what you need to succeed. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams. I'm your host, Manoj Agarwal, and today we'll be talking to Mark Funkhauser. So Mark has been in the government uh, and at a very highest level, and now he's running his own consulting company, helping businesses navigate the, the complexity of the government. But we'll learn more about Mark and what he has done in his, in his career so far. So welcome, Mark. Excited to have you. Thank you. I'm happy awesome. to be here. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey? Where have you, uh, you know, what, what kind of work have you done and what are your goals? Where are you going in the future? Um, I started my career as a social worker uh, and uh, worked with people with physical handicaps, uh, wound up getting a um, master's degree in social work, uh, taught at a small college for a while, and found myself um, by accident uh, in the state auditor's office in Tennessee uh, doing evaluations of uh, state departments. Um, as a social worker, for example, I could impact a caseload of foster children. Mm -hmm. uh, as an evaluator with the uh, Department of Audit, I could uh, improve how the entire state handled thousands of foster children. And I discovered I really liked having that bigger um, platform. Mm -hmm. I went on to get an MBA in accounting and finance and uh, worked as an auditor for about 28 years, the last 18 years you know, with the city of Kansas City, Missouri, mm -hmm. doing uh, performance audits, efficiency, effectiveness, equity, that sort of thing. Um, then I took an early retirement, ran for mayor, uh, and I won, uh, and I became the mayor of Kansas City. I served one term. And then I went to Governing Magazine, where I was the publisher of Governing. And uh, that, too, gave me a bigger platform. Instead of just dealing with the city of Kansas City, I was now able to uh, hopefully positively impact the entire uh, local government of the United States. When the magazine closed in 2019, uh, I started my own little consulting firm, essentially doing, continuing to do what I did uh, and covering. I've got three or four of my former colleagues uh, working with me, and we still do exactly what we did. We write about local government, uh, but in this current incarnation, what we help um, companies do is understand what the challenges and issues are for local government and how to fit their solution to those challenges. So um, I, I was, I'm on the phone and in Zoom with folks and I had a client today who I was able to show him how his technology solution actually worked for the issue of affordable housing, which mm. is one of the top issues that local government folks are concerned about. And so that's what we do now. We, we develop content that helps private sector folks connect with government. That's great. That's great. So um, one of the, you know, 
the biggest sort of uh, uh, conventions or myths or what have you in the business community is that you know dealing with the government is very cumbersome it's very complex it takes a lot of time a lot of red tape um and and uh, to the extent that uh, you know when i talk to many business owners they tell me that they don't even want to consider uh, you know getting into a contract or something like with the government because it's uh, it's just too complex so what are your thoughts around it like is there any truth to that or is there like is it is it it depends on case by case basis what 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 do you think well there's no question that the government is different mm-hmm. you know is absolutely it's it's a different uh, environment it's a different arena but it's a 1.9 trillion annual market so i would not turn my back on it mm-hmm. <laughs> and and there are lots of huge companies um, you know that uh, ibm oracle yeah. and so forth who have what they call uh, sled state and local and education s l e d and they have a focus on that so uh, but that's where we come in we help you figure out how to navigate that new terrain i see i see so so what you're saying is that i mean obviously ibm has the resources to to you know hire people and who who can uh, build these relationships uh, but is it possible for small businesses as well to do equally well uh, without uh, putting in a lot of resources yes uh, and and we serve companies across the the board so we do big ones uh, but but we also for example there's a, a relatively small uh, israeli startup called kolu uh, and they have a um, an application uh, that you download on your phone that is a local coin that supports buy local we just did a webinar for them uh showing how that would support economic development a local you know lots of communities have a buy local um emphasis here's one yeah, yeah. that actually works with data and analysis and you can see what the impact is so you know we we work across the board with big ones and with little ones that's same. great that's great and then uh, so that's quite interesting so are you saying that even companies outside of the us can work with local governments um, i mean that's uh, uh, that's kind of surprising oh absolutely yeah i'm uh, i've worked with several israeli companies um, there is a uh, norwegian uh, company that uh, we have been talking to i i mean it's a it's challenge no uh so when it's uh you know 3:00 in the afternoon here uh it's uh, 10:00 at night in Tel Aviv but um yes there's a- absolutely uh or, you know that that's like not not a problem mm-hmm. that's great and so um let's come back to your uh, story because uh, it's it's obviously you know you have a tremendous amount of experience in the government um what actually inspired you to help businesses them was there a particular incident or was there a particular story or a theme that you saw where you saw that hey you can come in and make a difference uh, for businesses when i was at governing i spent a lot more time dealing with businesses than i had uh, before and uh, yeah i discovered that there was um, a, a lot of reward in being able to help um to go to go back to that kolu case their customers who were on that webinar uh, the, the city of boston the city of youngstown ohio the city of rancho cordova 
in uh, California, they're very happy with the work. Their, their, their goals of uh, equitable economic development are being advanced. So being able to be a kind of a matchmaker and put those things together uh, is it's very rewarding. It's, it's fun. I mean, I, I get to do what I like to do, which is talk to local government folks and understand what their issues and challenges are. Uh, there's, there's another company that we have talked to about the whole issue of um, traffic management, you know, which is a big, you know, now with, with uh, the pandemic and work, work from home and all this, the, the traffic thing is completely different than mm-hmm. it was. Uh-huh. Uh, and so figuring out how to handle that, basically what we're interested in doing is helping the local government solve problems. And the way that they can solve problems is with um, the right application of private sector solutions. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so um, uh, another uh, question that comes to mind is that how uh, how is local government different than other, so, I mean, central government, state government, uh, because obviously they have very, uh, uh, very different needs, uh, very different requirements. Um, so in your experience, like how how does the how does the business owner he they should think about the local government versus you know thinking about the central or the state governments? Well, local government is first of all it's extremely variable in the United States. I mean, you have uh, huge governments like uh, Los Angeles County, mm-hmm. massive government, and then you have small cities and towns and so forth. Uh, some governments are heavily dependent on uh, property tax. Others mm-hmm. have an income tax. Others have a sales tax. Uh, looking at how they uh, were impacted by the uh, uh, COVID pandemic mm-hmm. recession is mm-hmm. very, very different from one jurisdiction to the next. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. But if I'm a business trying to sell to government, there's one federal government, there's 50 states, and there's about 90,000 local mm-hmm. governments. So it's a challenging environment, but I like it uh, because it's closer to the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's why I went into local government. Uh, you know, you, you are on the street, you know, you're delivering uh, police and fire and trash and parks, you know, directly to people. And the yeah. state government and the federal government are far more distant from the people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, um, so if let's say if if a you know small business wants to work with the local government, should they like? Do you see any success patterns? Should they start with smaller uh, cities first before they go and uh, you know talk to bigger cities like LA or New York or something? Or uh, is there is there such a uh, such a pattern that you recommend or no? I think it's it depends on uh, the contacts that you have. It, it depends on the solution that you're uh, selling. Uh, I'll go back to that Kolu example one more time. There's a huge difference between the city of Boston, which is a big city, yeah, yeah, Youngstown, which is uh, an, uh, a smaller city, yeah. and then Rancho Cordova, which is a brand new city. It's only uh-huh. uh, it's 20 years old. Uh, so the, it, it just but, but is it easier to, to shoot at that mid-range? I would say the 25 to 200,000 population, probably, yes. I see, I see. That's great. And so uh, another thought comes to mind is like, you know, uh, typically uh, these, uh, 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 the administration for the cities, they are chosen for four years and then they, 
change, um, a new administration comes in. Uh, in most cases, you know, the, the direction is changed drastically. So as a business, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if they're relying on, on this business, uh, like the, the customer, the, the city as being the customer, how do they protect themselves against the change in the government so regularly or the change in direction of, of uh, how the administration is run? Well, there's a couple of things. One, of course, if the city enters into a contract, it's a contract. I mean, they're going to honor the contract. But the second thing is, is there are two very different time horizons. You're right that the elected officials come and they got to stand for re-election and they may or may not be re-elected and they may have term limits. Uh, so they've got a short time horizon and they're trying to get stuff done in their term of office. Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, the professional staff have a much longer time horizon. They're often there for a decade or more. I mean, in my own case, in Kansas yeah. City, I was a city auditor for 18 years. Uh -huh. um, you, It's not uncommon at all to see a public works director or somebody like that who's been with the city for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so uh, besides uh, this Israeli company, like, can you share any, uh, you know, success stories that you've been part of uh, where businesses uh, really thrived on uh, serving the governments? I, I think, you know, we did a uh, playbook for Tyler Technologies that uh, helped them show governments how they could use uh, the CARES Act to respond to the pandemic. Uh, we use case examples and studies uh, of the different ways that different technology applications that work for that. And uh, I think that was very successful for them. Uh -huh. um, and we, we called it a playbook because it showed specific, you could do this and you could do this and you could do this. And these are the things that would work to deal with what was then a very uh, unfolding crisis. It's still with us, the pandemic, but it was a whole lot different uh, in the beginning when we had no idea, there was yeah. no vaccine and we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so you, you, you've you mentioned uh, these companies and they both seem to be, I noticed, technology companies. So how much of, um, how much of uh, the business is more focused or getting focused on technology versus other sectors of the field, other uh, areas? Lately, um, I think since the pandemic, when when governments had to go to virtual meetings and all this stuff, and they, and they suddenly had to do um, paperless permitting, whether they were ready or not, there's all that sort of stuff. So there's been an explosion of interest in what is called civic tech. Mm -hmm. um, and there are requirements um, uh, particularly in the uh, in the American Rescue Plan and probably in the uh, uh, the infrastructure bills that are coming, there are very specific reporting requirements and engagement requirements. And to meet those, you're going to need sophisticated technology. So governments governments typically are not on the cutting edge of technology, but the pandemic was a wake up moment mm. where they suddenly, you know had to deal with it and the, the the cares act and american rescue plan and so forth have specifically given them money to upgrade their technology uh and now uh you have probably read all the stuff about the great resignation and all that yeah stuff. yeah yeah of course of course uh governments are scrambling to staff up uh, in uh, the last month in September, uh, they had a, uh, or August, they had the largest quits rate in government that they've ever had. Uh, 
If I have less um, full-time employees and yet I have the same or greater workload, how do I deal with that? Well, technology is a significant part of how I'm able to continue to deliver services with a lot less FTE. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. You are listening to Bootstrapping Your Dreams show with Manu Jagarwal. Businesses face numerous challenges like finding the right product market fit, determining the market size, implementing a winning go-to-market strategy, crafting customer-centric USP, competitive analysis, looking for funding, building up cash flow and profitability. We have made a lot of free resources available to the entrepreneurial community, including this podcast. podcast. We invite you to check out our websites and follow us on social channels. The links are in the show notes. We hope you find the resources useful and utilize them to grow your business. business. We also have some programs for entrepreneurs. If you find our content useful, then you will definitely find the programs outstanding so do check them out um and uh what about uh you know you 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 mentioned uh um the coin which i assume it's uh, it's related to cryptocurrencies and blockchain which is a cutting edge technology how about other uh, cutting-edge technologies like uh, cloud computing and artificial intelligence? Are these being deployed in local governments as well? Oh, yes. Uh, the whole software as a service thing is, is uh, again, it's government, local governments were a laggard, uh, and now they are uh, rushing mm. to get ahead uh, and, and do this stuff. But at the same time, if I'm a small company or a mid-sized company, I'm, I, I, you know, here's an opportunity and all my peers see it too. Mm-hmm. So, so the governments are, are moving uh, toward this uh, cloud-based technology and software as a service and so forth. But there is a, um, a host of GovTech companies uh, going after that same, that same government client. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, it's funny. I was going to ask you that question <laughs> that, uh, you know, as you mentioned that um, the the administration people who are actually running the show, they are there for 10 years longer. And uh, the current, uh, you know, current companies who are already serving the government, um, it's kind of it's kind of like, you know, they have built the relationship. So how does a newcomer enter into the market and sort of take over or or compete with the existing companies who are already uh, who are already in there for decades, perhaps. Well, it's the it's the classic thing that you know well. You have to have a differentiator. Mm-hmm. You have to have something that you can say that you do differently, um, and it has to connect to what they want done. I tell my clients over and over: you have to understand the agenda. Mm-hmm. You can't come in and tell government you should do X. I see. You have to come in and say, what are you trying to do? Mm-hmm. Here's how I can help you. I see. No. And, and that, particularly for the elected officials, they ran for office and got themselves elected because they had something they wanted done. They had an agenda and they have a tough, tight time frame. Yeah. So, so showing them that you can help them, they need allies. They need people who can help them get stuff done that they want to get done. Uh, and, and, and in this election that we just had, one of the themes that I saw is that voters are really impatient. Mm-hmm. They're tired. They're impatient. 
We've had a rugged couple of years. They want stuff done now. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of things that traditionally uh, local governments have kicked the can down the road, uh, that's going to be harder. Mm -hmm. that's, well, that's that's good news as well, I, I think, for, for the people. Um, yes. Now, uh, one, one question I sort of asked, but I want to come back to that, is, is this use of artificial intelligence, because, um, you know, a lot is happening with data, big data analytics and all that. I see a lot of cities releasing public data sets uh, for, from, their, uh, from their locality and asking, uh, you know, data scientists to find, uh, find useful patterns and things of that nature. Um, in your experience, how much of this is being actually adopted to make a real difference in people's lives? That's an interesting question, and there's a real, uh, uh, it's really challenging and difficult for local governments because uh, there are gaps and holes in the data that aren't immediately apparent. Mm -hmm. um, there's a great uh, book called uh, Power to the Public mm -hmm. uh, that is about civic tech, just, just came out a year or so ago, mm -hmm. um, and they gave an example in there of New York City looking at 311 complaints to target where to do rat abatement. Mm. Uh, but what they found was one of their team members lived in a neighborhood that had lots of rats and it didn't show up in the data. Mm -hmm. It didn't show up in the data because people in his neighborhood, it never occurred to them to call 311. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that kind of um, connection to what the actual human experience is and the data is something that I think cities struggle with and companies that figure out how to help them uh, bridge that gap are going to have a leg up. Okay, that's, that's uh, obviously, you know, um, me being uh, coming from that background, big data and uh, AI, that is always uh, the first challenge. You know, 80% uh, of our time is actually spent in uh, cleaning the data and figuring out, you know, whether that data is reliable or not. Um, so, so uh, that resonates, of, obviously. Um, now, uh, let me ask you, like, uh, in your experience, whether you know, uh, whether um, your existing clients or um, uh, or other companies in general, what are some of the mistakes that you notice people make when they try to uh, do business with the governments? Uh, are there any any things that they can be avoiding? Uh, anything that they should be doing differently? I think they have to understand the language of government. Uh, you alluded at the beginning of the of the uh, session that government is slower, <laughs> and you have to you 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 can't. This is not going to be a quick thing. Um, <laughs> there is rarely a single decision maker who can say yes, let's do that. Uh, so it takes time. There has to be a sort of consensus developed, um, and and there has to be a, a very clear. A uh, compelling reason to do it. Mm, I see. Um, and then, uh, when you say language, like how how does a, one go about learning about this language? Is it is it the 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 typical lingo that they use, terms and technology, like terms and uh, definitions and things of that nature? Like how do you go about uh, learning all that? Well, you know, um, uh, Manoj, I can't tell you. Uh, I, I, you know, I spent 30 or 40 years in that environment. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how people learn that. I guess. Uh, but it's, um, but it is different. They do see the world differently. 
um, than folks uh, in the private sector. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's uh, that's the the reason why you exist as a, as a company to to help people. That's uh, so so uh, coming back to your um, to your journey uh, as an entrepreneur, as a mayor, you know, you've had tremendous amount of success. So what are some of your secrets of success? How, what has played the most role uh, in, uh, in contributing to where you are? Uh, where, what, what can people take away from your uh, journey so far? I think there are a, a couple of things that have worked for me. Um, one is that I have continually pursued education. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and... Uh, so, and that always opened horizons for me. You know, I, I got an MSW, I got an MBA, I got a PhD. Um, uh, and I read uh, extremely widely. I read mm-hmm. a lot. So that's, that's one thing. But the second thing is um, I've been very fortunate to connect with really good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the book, uh, Good to Great, mm-hmm. um, he talks about, getting the right people on the bus. Mm-hmm. I've been lucky. I've had the right people on the bus over and over and over. That's awesome. Um, so I, I could not agree more. Like, you know, having having uh, good people around you makes all the difference. And education, obviously, is, uh, is very important. And lifelong learning, as you said, you know, reading about different topics give you, gives you that, uh, uh, that different outlook on life uh, to solve problems. Um, and... and uh, uh, now, uh, how do you, you know, in, in the government, one thing is to have good people around you. Now, all those good people also have different opinions. And especially in the government, to get consensus must be really, really challenging. I mean, that's one of the reasons why governments are slow. So you also served as the mayor. What kind of challenges did you face in actually getting things done and getting the consensus from people from, from different, uh, different aspects? Well, in getting things done, particularly in a political environment, um, there is no consensus, you know, uh, with my team uh, at work, wherever I have been, we can come to a bit of consensus. Mm -hmm. Uh, In government, the best I could get was grudging acquiescence. (laughs) (laughs) And, and you, you know, I had to learn to be a lot more uh, ruthless, mm. a lot harder, uh, because it and it is it's slow, uh, and and people will bargain again in the political arena. It's not enough simply to be uh, right mm. or to have the facts on on your side. Mm. It requires uh, a lot more sort of give and take, quid pro quo. Uh, I'll give you one of these if you give me one of those. Mm. Uh, and that's just the way it is. Uh, the the best microcosm of that I've ever seen is the movie Lincoln, mm. where you know you saw uh, Abraham Lincoln doing everything, um, cutting corners um, and and so on to get the Thirteenth Amendment passed, mm-hmm. uh, along slavery. Uh, and that's that's you, you can't. Uh, my wife used to tell me I was trying too hard to be a Boy Scout, mm. uh, and she was right. You know, I could be a Boy Scout as an auditor, as a mayor. You had to be a lot more uh, willing to to go after people and uh, mm-hmm. do what needed to be done. 
I see. Um, so that obviously, you know, that that sort of matches the the uh, the perception that the public has as well. But uh, having being so close to it, the the political scene and everything, do you think uh, things should change? Or sh- I mean, is this is is this form of government is is better because it represents more points of view or like what is your opinion about it like um overall how do you think uh, it should change if if at all i think we have to focus a lot more on uh democracy on engagement on building relationships with citizens uh a lot of the work that i'm doing lately has been in the area of um, democratic engagement. And a lot of the civic tech uh, companies are looking, you know, they're, they're coming up with all kinds of, you know, online tools and as well as in person uh, to do that. But we're on the cusp of, of a new um, era, I think, in local government. I mean, I'm, uh, there are tremendous challenges and yet I'm very inspired by the younger folks. I mean, if you just look at this uh, election that we just had, mm-hmm. um, the, the newly elected mayor of uh, Cleveland, Ohio, Boston Bibb, uh, a black man, uh, probably 34, 35 years old, um, you know, Michelle Wu uh, in Boston, uh, again, middle 30s. Uh, these are bright, committed, well-educated people, um, and uh, I, you know, that's uh, again, you know, when when I deal with local government, I get to see people like that every day. I interview people who are passionate, committed, smart, have their hearts in the right place, doing the right thing. So, as grim as a lot of stuff seems, and particularly at the national level, um, my day to day life, I see people who are darn good and doing good. a good job. That's uh, that's awesome. That, that gives a positive, uh, positive spin to uh, or positive hope to uh, to people. Now, um, uh, as you as you were mentioning, uh, you know, this thought came to mind that uh, technology is obviously helping uh, a lot in in getting things done. But it's also, you know, we have heard a lot about um, technology being used for nefarious purpose, for voter suppression, things like that. Uh, what are your views around that like, without getting too political like do you think um do you think we are well represented uh in the, in the local governments or uh, there there's work to be done there oh there's always work to be done uh, and and as i said voters are impatient particularly young voters are are very impatient um but i think that the smart humane use of technology is part of the part of the answer you know, because those same young people are uh, very tech savvy. Mm-hmm. They're very connected. Um, and uh, But what we have to do, what, what older uh, guys like me have to do is encourage them and bring them along and give them, you know, not direction, but assistance when they ask for it. You know, mm-hmm. I've been through the war. Here's what, you know, here's what I learned. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of thing. But those... You know, they are smart. They are tech savvy, and the technology is here. It can be used for good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Used for evil, Um, and we have to be smart and we have to pay attention. Make sure we're using it right. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Now, coming back to uh, again uh, your journey, 
what kind of mentors did you have and what kind of role did they play uh in your in your success the um a couple of places where i had really uh, strong one was when i went to the state auditor's office in tennessee um a man named frank greathouse was the state auditor and he was a crusty old traditional southern cpa mm. <laughs> but he gave me tremendous latitude mm. to develop and work and encouraged me to um contribute to professional journals um he sent me to washington to gao to argue with the uh, folks about auditing standards um and i i got of course in trouble from time to time because i was young and loud and aggressive um and he backed me up mm. all the time uh you know and uh you know he had that big corner office in the state office building there and and i told people it's really great to have that big cannon in the corner behind me mm-hmm. um, that he's probably the best boss i ever had and and folks like that the chairman of my uh doctoral committee um helped me times and was ready to just throw it all over and he you know basically said no here's what you got to do you know you can do this uh and uh, sort of um, you know there was a there was a lot of politics in getting a phd and i had to learn to negotiate it that's awesome yeah uh, i mean uh, you know i always say mentors are uh, what sort of uh, uh, as you said like they help us in the dark times and then they push us forward in the in the good times so um all right this is great uh, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your knowledge and wisdom now before i let you go can you tell us uh, if people want to connect with you how can they do that uh, my website mayorfunk.com uh, my email mark at mayorfunk.com awesome awesome we'll put those links in the show notes all right thank you so okay. much thank you thank you sir appreciate it hey i'm sarah producer of the bootstrapping your dreams show in your dreams show This episode has come to an end. Don't forget to check out the episode show notes for the links to the resources mentioned in this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Until the next episode, goodbye. Keep going and keep winning.